1: I'm George Lizos, spiritual teacher, saggy killer, and number one best-selling author. It wasn't long ago that I was stuck in a soul-draining job, held back by fears and limiting beliefs that stopped me from following my purpose and making a positive impact in the world. Fast forward past many hours of inner work and lessons learned, I now write books and teach courses to help you find and follow your purpose too. I created the Lit Up Lightworker podcast to empower you with simple, actionable, step-by-step spiritual tools and practices to overcome what holds you back and light up the world. If you're a spiritual seeker yearning for a more soulful and purposeful life, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Lightworker, welcome to another episode of the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. I'm your host, George Lizos, and in today's episode, we're talking about Feng Shui, specifically, how to use Feng Shui in a mindful and intuitive way. When I first started practicing Feng Shui, I was 15 or 16 years old. I was all about following the rules to a T. I would use Chinese coins to attract abundance and hang wind chimes all around the house. I would place bamboo sticks on my walls. And I also became enchanted with feng shui fountains, and at some point I had 5 mini fountains in the house. I went all out. Now Today although I still love and use feng shui, I'm not so strict with the rules. As I understood more about the flow of energy in the house and learned to manipulate it, I realized that it wasn't the specific rules that helped me create change, but my intention behind what I did. So, in this week's episode of the podcast, I chat with my friend and Feng Shui expert, Anji Cho. Angie teaches Feng Shui in a unique way. Her new book is called Mindful Homes. Create living spaces with mindfulness and Feng Shui. And it's all about listening to your intuition and connecting with the spirit of your home when using Feng Shui. Specifically in the episode, we talk about the way positive and negative Qi flows in the house, how to balance the yin and yang energies in your home ways of incorporating the 5 elements in the house, a process of using the Bagua map to manifest your desires, and ways of using fountains, mirrors and other Feng Shui cures in your house. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. And also, don't forget to grab my new book, Protect Your Light, a practical guide to energy protection, cleansing, and cutting cords, so you can learn practices that you can use to cleanse your energy, but also cleanse the energy of your house. And also, when you get the book, you also get the Psychic Scanning Online Workshop for free, during which I guide you to turn on your psychic vision and scan your body for all types of negative energy, so you can clear them. And you can visit protectyourlightbook.com to get all the details. Also, be sure to download one of my free guides in the description of this episode that will help guide your spiritual journey. You'll find guides on finding your purpose, developing your intuition, and protecting your energy. Enjoy this episode with Anji Cho. Anji Cho is the creator of holistic spaces specifically focused on designing interiors and teaching feng shui and meditation. She's guided thousands of people to harmonize their living spaces through the ancient practice of feng shui. Angie is a feng shui expert at the Spruce, co-founder of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School, co-host of the Holistic Spaces podcast, and owner of Angie Cho Architect. She's the author of two books, Holistic Spaces and Mindful Homes. Angie, welcome to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast.
0: Hi, George. It's so lovely to see your face again.
1: It's so lovely to see you again. We've done some uh, podcasts together in the past, and also you've been on my Instagram. We did an Instagram Live, and I'm so excited. You are back to talk about your new book. Uh, Before we get started, I want to hear a little bit about your journey with discovering Feng Shui and working with Feng Shui, and also the intention behind this new book.
0: Sure. So just a little bit about my journey with Feng Shui was that I, um, you know, even as a young child, I think I was always interested in feng shui because I knew on an intuitive level that if I changed things around in my childhood bedroom, that things in my life would change. So I was always moving my bed around and different posters, you know, like rock bands and, and, you know, just like reorganizing my room almost like every few weeks. And, um, And so I saw from a very early age, it's very important to look at your space and that you have the power to transform your life when you move your space around. So, you know, fast forward, I, you know, went to university and I wanted to be an artist, but, you know, my Asian parents told me, oh, you want to be an artist? That must mean that you'll be an architect because that was the, the, you know, the practical version of an artist. So, I went into architecture and then I had an epiphany during my Saturn return that, you know, I was just really unhappy working in the corporate world and I needed to make some changes. So, I came back to New York. I started studying yoga and meditation. And then that naturally led me to study feng shui. And then during the last recession, I actually, um, I lost my job and I couldn't find any work. So I decided to jump into this three-year feng shui certification program that I studied in. And when I finally decided to pursue something that brought me joy and for no purpose, like I didn't want to become a feng shui expert or a feng shui consultant or do this for work, but it was just something that my heart wanted to do all these opportunities opened up for me in life. And I never thought I would be, you know, a writer of two books, have my own business, be teaching people feng shui. But because I followed my heart and did something that brought me joy, all these opportunities made themselves available to me.
1: Yes. And I can attest to the power of feng shui because it was the first spiritual modality I ever practiced when I was uh, around 15, 16 years old. And I'm like, I want to change my life. I went through a very dark period of my life. And I'm like, what do I do? And a Feng Shui book uh, popped up. And I remember I had used it to manifest my first boyfriend at the time when I was 17 years old. And what yeah. I did, I, because I, I painted as well. So I got a canvas and I had my oil, oil paints and I drew a heart and I made it like to symbolize love essentially. And I activated the, uh, the, the, the love, In relationships corner in my bedroom. I -hmm. just hang it there. And behind it, I was dating that guy had just come out of the closet. And that was the first guy I ever dated. And I just printed his picture and I stuck it behind the painting. And eventually I I manifested like some kind of a very traumatic relationship. But long story (laughs) short, we're still friends. He's one of my best friends. And I actually had him on my other podcast, my Can't Host podcast, talking about that relationship and our journey healing together so it definitely turned out to be a very positive experience after seven years of trauma but still <laughs> it was <laughs> it was my introduction to spirituality and manifestation in some way so it's a very powerful modality and I've always been uh, very interested in it and I know you trained in black hat sect feng shui which is a western kind of feng shui and the one that I also had a preference with so uh, it's extra special having you on the podcast today So what is the intention behind Mindful Homes, your new book? Because you blend feng shui and mindfulness. Why this connection?
0: So, um, you know, when I first started feng shui and I first started teaching and and when I wrote my first book, it was about a decade ago. And... I felt very confident to give people tips. And that's when you remember like the blogs were starting with all the listicles, like 10 ways to do this, five ways to do this, how to manifest this. And I just kind of went with that. And that's what I was good at, being very instructional and telling people like what to do, being bossy, giving them five ways to do something, right?
1: Very Lee of you.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And But what what was happening also is I realized that when you start doing this work and moving things around, and just like you said, this was one of your first introductions to spiritual practice, it's it's non-invasive feng shui because you're like, okay, I'm going to move something in my environment, in my periphery that's not going to go internal, but I want to see what happens. So it's pretty safe. And, and that's the way I think I approached feng shui too. But then after a few decades of practicing, I saw that what it was slowly starting to do was really go in deeper and open me up to being more vulnerable. And that went hand in hand with my meditation practice as well. And so this book, I'm older and more experienced and also more seasoned. And I wanted to really redefine this um, definition of feng shui as, you know, based on what people think now, it's like, oh, I need to move something. I need to fix something. But in reality, you don't have to move anything around. Like you don't have to, put a heart in you know you don't have to do anything you don't have to change yourself there's nothing wrong with you but it's about the awareness of it and that feng shui can really be a um a gateway into finding your heart and and feeling your heart in tandem with actually like see like seeing that artwork that you created plus seeing that connection to see how that actually is your heart and making that leap so so really trying to connect the invisible with the visible and knowing that there are two sides of the same coin so that's really what my book was about it was about having gotten older having having had more experience and also softening and really having worked with a lot of people at this point students clients friends and seeing that yes feng shui is amazing when you move things around, but also can you see how it changes things inside of you and shifts the invisible parts of you?
1: Yeah. It's not just about moving stuff, but how does that make you feel and how Mm -hmm. to match the exterior with the interior, which is what the spiritual practice in general is all about. Mm -hmm. And you also talk about chi in the book, which is a very, it's a very popular catchphrase in Feng Shui circles and in spirituality in general. And we have gu chi and bad Qi, and we have yin Qi and, and yang chi can you talk a little bit how we can understand chi in our houses and how we can use it in an intuitive mindful way in our spaces
0: yeah well you know Qi is really the most important thing when it comes to most healing modalities so in yoga it would be prana and and in feng shui or in eastern traditions it's chi which is life force energy and there's this philosophical kind of aspect of it where she is like, you could think of she as one or like a seed of potential. And then when you plant the seed, it breaks open and becomes the seed plus the sprout. And so that's how it breaks up into yin and yang. And then how that can fl- grow and bloom into a flower, which becomes like a five petal, uh, it could be a five petal um flower like the five elements which then further expands into the eight directions or the bagua so that's like a one like philosophical way to look at it but also you know chi is something that is in our home and we can't see it but it's there like for instance i study japanese flower arranging ikebana and my teacher always says we're not just arranging flowers we're arranging the space and so it's really like a different way of a different perspective it's like stopping it's the eastern perspective is how do we work with the space first rather than than the things so when we can begin to acknowledge that the space around us is as important as the things that we put into it and and how the chief flows through our spaces we can really start to benefit and like when like when really um straightforward way of looking at how she moves in our spaces is to notice how like uncomfortable we can be with space, right? Like we tend to always want to fill up space. Like a lot of clients say, well, what should I put on that wall? There's nothing there. And I'm like, well, it's okay that there's nothing there. Or, um, you know, if there's like an empty feeling in our stomach, we want to fill it up with food. Or if there's an empty moment in a conversation, we want to fill it up with a word or, or with talking or chatter, right? So just like that in our homes, we can create moments of spaciousness, whether that means like allowing a wall to be empty, allowing a corner to have space around it instead of just trying to fill everything up as tight as like tightly as possible.
1: I love that perspective around Chi. And you talked about the yin and the yang chi, and I love your analogy and the philosophical way that it's a sprout and the seed becoming a sprout. And then it expands into the five elements that have different types of energy. So what are the differences between yin energy and yang energy? And how do we balance them in the house?
0: Mm -hmm. So yin and yang... Well, they're really two sides of the same coin. So if you think of yin and yang, you may be familiar with the symbol of the the yin-yang symbol, right? So there's the black teardrop and the white teardrop. And so the black teardrop represents the yin energy, which is related to the moon, darkness, feminine principle, the hidden, the subtle, midnight, where the white teardrop is related to yang, which is sun the action high noon visible masculine energy and within each but within the black there's a little dot of white and within the white there's a little dot of black and then besides that that's like a two-dimensional image and I know you'll love this because you're an artist it's not just a two-dimensional image it's actually like a three-dimensional moving um symbol that can dance and the the dots get bigger and smaller and then teardrops get bigger and smaller and it moves around. It's not a static, flat, two-dimensional thing. And this is yin and yang energy and how it like can reflect in our homes in a very simple way is like, for instance, your bedroom is more of a yin space because you spend time sleeping there. It's more private, it's more hidden, and typically we like to see the bedroom further back away from the door. So it's, it's more uh, protected. And like, say a kitchen is more young because there's cooking, there's alchemy happening there. There's a lot of action, things coming in and out and a lot of life energy, or like the, your front door is more yang. So we could start to like categorize our um, energies with yin and yang, but always Within the yin, there's a yang. So like on the cold, like in the coldest winter, there's always the warmest day. So that would be the most yang day within the yin time. So there's it's always like in relationship to the other, which reminds us that we're always in a relationship to each other and in community with each other. We always need to work together.
1: Yeah. So essentially, we're muching nature. We're munching our houses to nature. Because mm-hmm. in the same way that in nature during the winter, there are also like sunny days and warm days, same thing exactly. with our houses. Each, each room has a different primal energy and primary mm-hmm. energy. And mm-hmm. then we're also balancing that with the opposite uh, energy as well, just to create a more balanced environment. I love uh, that perspective.
0: Yeah. Or that, also like, yes. you know, like for the bedroom is more yin. So maybe you do want to kind of avoid super young things in your bedroom that's why a lot of people get like blackout shades for their bedroom because they want to make it like not have it so sunny but also maybe you don't need to have like I don't know like uh like very like complicated books on you know stuff you're studying because it's very thinking young energy or you don't necessarily need like to have an exercise bike that you're staring at when you're going to bed maybe that's what's keeping you up at night.
1: Yeah, it's symbolism is very important because each thing has a different type of energy. So it's about being mindful as mm-hmm. to what energy am I bringing into the room by having certain things.
0: Exactly. Now, when it
1: comes to the five elements, now the five elements, according to Feng Shui and, and Eastern tradition is very different from the four elements we're aware of on in the West and in the Western world. Can you talk about this difference? And also how do we use the five elements in our house?
0: So, yeah. Um- the five elements in the Asian system are wood. So wood creates er, earth, creates metal, creates water, creates. Oh, I I did that in the wrong order. Sorry. Wood creates fire, creates earth, creates um, metal creates water. So those are the five elements in in that order. They create each other, and in the Western system, it's water, fire, air. And earth. And earth? Okay. Yes. So there, there is some overlap, but they're different. And even yes. also within, like, I study Tibetan Buddhism, there's also another set of five elements, Yeah. which is a little bit different. Like, they don't have wood, they have space, and they have wind instead of wood. So uh, so most cultures did look to the natural world and categorized and organized their world around these elemental qualities and, and see how they relate to each other and how they balance each other. So similarly, when we look at the five elements in our home, um, one of the really simple ways to use feng shui is just to simply be aware of a balance of the five elements in the homes. For instance, like one time I went to a client's home and it was all white and mm. super modern and, and white is related to the metal element, which is very yin and, that's what her space was like there was no life energy there it was it felt so sterile and she was really unhappy and like and also she didn't stay there that often and her husband was like living in abroad and so all of that was reflected in her home and there was also like no there wasn't any warmth there right so you could start to look at like how can you maybe bring in a little bit more so for instance um you know, if you wanted to balance five elements, you could see, okay, do I have earth? And if we wanted to do it with like color, earth is yellow and brown and earthy tones. And that's often found like in the floor, the flooring of our, your home, which is like typical, oftentimes like a brown wood, which is actually earth element. And actually that the floor it represents the earth. It stabilizes us. It supports us. It holds us like, like our mother earth. And then if we wanted to then look at um, water, so water is related to the color black. So you could bring in some black accents or um, have like water elements in the space. It could be something very literal, like um, a water fountain, but it could also be like creating, um, having a glass of water next to you at all times or having undulating shapes or like water inspired images or living near water like do you live near water
1: i well i live on an island so generally the yes. whole island has more water yes
0: yeah okay and i and i live like right next to the east river so i live next to water too um then like wood would be like a lot of people now bring plants into their home so plants living green plants are wood element but you can also use the colors blue and green there's also um uh fire which can be like the lighting in your home but it can also be a candle or it could be the color red and you want usually you want to use fire sparingly because fire can like consume everything right and then yeah.
1: tell tell that to a Leo because <laughs> <laughs> I have like five candles burning at all times every single day.
0: <laughs> you know so funny is I was I just did a podcast. I don't know if you know her. You should meet her. Her name is Laura Chung. Um and she was saying how in her fire area of her bagua in her, in her office, like she has a, a lot of plants there, but, she, and this, but, and also some of my students have been saying this, like they worked on their fame fire area with plants, but it's like too much. Cause like the, the, the wood, the plant feeds the fire. And some of them, one of them got like arrested. One of them got <laughs> Good. And then like they got lawsuits or a cease and desist or suit or something. So it's like too much fame, too much visibility.
1: I get it. So what I'm realizing is that it's not just about bringing the actual elements into the house, but bringing colors and shapes that belong to those elements as well.
0: Yes. Because there's so there's a lot of things that you can use in the toolbox like metal can be a metal bell. It could be the sound of a metal bell. It could be the color white. It could be a circle because a circle represents metal. It could be a metal object. So there, yeah, there's many different ways that you can manifest that elemental quality. And also one way is also to see if there's something, like if there's um, an element you want to support, like you said, you're really attracted to fire. So you intuitively just surround yourself with fire, but also you're on an island that has a lot of water so maybe that's another reason why you have to you need that warmth of the fire and that inspiration around you all the time and a candle's yin fire actually so it's very like small mm-hmm. yeah. and it's more soft it's more soothing right
1: yeah i wanted to ask you about uh, water fountains because mm-hmm. when i when i was first starting out and i got in my into obsessed with feng shui i sort of became the island's uh water fountain expert. It, it happened very spontaneously and unexpectedly because we had this um, uh, this house expo, uh, uh, expo here in Cyprus. And mm-hmm. I partnered somehow with this feng shui store. I was like a 16 year old kid with this feng shui store that brought water fountains from China. And mm-hmm. because I knew so much And I'm really good at like selling stuff because I'm very communicative and I I speak and I was very extroverted at the time. I was just hanging out at the store, just studying the little fountains. And then someone came in the store and wanted to buy something. And I sold something to them because (laughs) out of my interest, I'm like, oh, by the way, you should try this because it has a symbol of the turtle and you can use this in this area of your house and you can manifest that. And then they hired me at the expo and I, I spent like three days there just being a, sel- a feng shui oh consultant God. for water fountains. And I was so obsessed with water fountains. At some point, I had four in my house. And, and by the way, that was when I was living with my parents still. So they didn't have a choice. They, <laughs> they had to hear the water <laughs> like, <laughs> like flow all night long. And my mom would complain um, that she wanted to go to the loo all the time because uh, th- there was water <laughs> constantly flowing. So how can we use water fountains in, in a not so obsessive way to create to, to <laughs> stuff in our lives. How do we use water fountains?
0: You're so funny because I could totally see you doing that because that's such your personality, right? Um, so water is an interesting element. There's two aspects to water. It can be still water like the ocean, which is very deep and it's related to wisdom and and can be related to the abyss and actually depression and um, fear, like in the I Ching, water is fear and also in Chinese medicine. So there's that one aspect of that still deep water, like the ocean. And then there's also moving water, like a water fountain or like a rushing river. And it's and it's um, no coincidence that the greatest cities like New York City, but also like Paris or Los Angeles, San Francisco are all located with near big bodies of water because that's where that's like um how hum- how this earth works like we populate around waters and the chi goes with the water and also in feng shui moving water is your prosperity or or money or cash flow so so water can be a skillful way in which to use the elements in your home and so by bringing in moving water, like fountains, like what it is, is you're bringing in this movement of cheese. So it's like, uh, just like how all the boats and all the life went to these cosmopolitan centers, you're bringing that to you. So you want to kind of also look at the direction of the water element that you're offering. Like, is it flowing towards you? Is it bringing those boats into you? Is it bringing those ships back home or is it just flowing out and leaking away or draining? So you can also look at like, are there leaks in your home? Because the leaks can represent like a slow drainage of your uh, prosperity or your cash or your your income, that's just slowly dripping away, slowly dripping away. So there's there's interesting ways to look at your, your water element. Um, and then also see how you feel too. So for you, you intuitively knew like water and fire, which are, you know, people think those put each other out, but in fact, they can balance each other, right? They're two sides of that same coin. They're the yin and yang again. Fire is yang and water is yin. But also people can see like, does too much water, like, feed? does that feed me or does that um, drain me? Because some people have already too much water and that will cause, it'll make them feel more drained. So you can also think about, like, if you could go anywhere on vacation, like George, if you could go anywhere on vacation, where would you go on holiday? Oh my
1: God, that, that is a great question. I'm really attracted to deserts. So I wouldn't go to an island because I live on an island. I would go mm-hmm. to a desert, maybe. Like Sedona? Uh, Like I would definitely go to Sedona and I would definitely go to Dubai, for example.
0: Mm -hmm. So you do, you're really, it's interesting because you're really balancing that fire and that water because you're surrounded by water, but you really do, you really do need that warmth of that fire. I love it. Yeah. See, for me, I love, like I would go to... Maine and be around the water. I love yes. being around the water and I've always um, lived near water. I've lived in Los Angeles, California uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and New York. I I always want to be living near big bodies of water. so for me that really nourishes me. so
1: yeah mm-hmm. so basically knowing what you like and, and being mi- again it's all about mindfulness. like being yes. mindful of what's going on within you and what you're attracted to helps you balance your space and um I, and it
0: changes I, too it changes it
1: changes all the time because in my present uh, apartment that I am right now I don't have any water features I don't have any any fountains and I felt the need of water in here because as you realize I, I have a lot of fire elements so I I brought um a waterfall painting mm. and I put it in the career
0: mm-hmm.
1: area of my house next to my door essentially and I felt yeah. that brought a lot of like flow energy in there because we, we can do these with paintings as well right yes exactly
0: you can do it with imagery um, with paintings and also like fab like textiles that are undulating or wavy lines or patterns that's all water element and also like being around yes like like curtains yes and like yeah. and also like being around watery people too
1: Oh yeah, that makes sense. That's why I'm attracted to like water signs as well because they they have that balance that I need. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what I loved about the book that I haven't seen so much in other books is that, I mean, I have seen, but you go into detail about it, is the Bagua map and crystals Mm -hmm. and how we can work with crystals and the Bagua map. So the Bagua map is basically a a framework of the house and you superimpose it on the house and it shows you the different areas of the house, like love and relationships, career, fame, et cetera. And then you can activate those specific corners. And there is a Chinese Bagua map that works with directions. And there is a Western Bagua map that you use mostly that it's it's, it's based on the front door of the house. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how we can use crystals to activate the Bagua areas?
0: Yeah, and just to clarify, it's the same Bagua map. Yes. Um, for all the schools of feng shui, I think there there might be some new ones that I don't know about, but generally, for the most part, it's all the same Bagua map. It's how you orient it that's different. Yes. So they all and so in the school that I study B T B, there's we do we do orient it based on the flow of chi, which means where the front the formal front door is, and then um it it rotates or floats and and shifts based on on the flow of chi but it also has the directional um overlays on it it's just not the primary way that we lay it yes uh so but i love um i love the fact that feng shui is a modality that can shift and and it could become more modern as it as we go so it has it has so much richness that it can be modernized as long as you do it with dignity and respect, of course. So um, that said right now, I think there's a big attraction towards crystals for um, many reasons, most of which I think number one, they're just beautiful. I mean, people, you know, for the entire human um, civilization have, we've loved gemstones, right? Because they are just inherently gorgeous, but but also they've been created by the earth. So there's, there's age, there's wisdom, there's a magnetism. There's so much to them. And so, um, but luckily now there's also these semi-precious gemstones or crystals that we can bring into our homes with intention. So they have so much wisdom that it it took like centuries or centuries for the earth to create those. Right. And they have minerals and wisdom that we we don't understand so much in our short human lives. So the Bagua map is this amazing tool that you can use in your home, not just to lay overlay on your home, but they also have like the, those five elements, five elemental qualities attached to them. They also have meanings. They have, you know, so much like body, body parts, organs, um, color associations. So, I go through in my book um, some recommendations for crystals that connect to each area of the Bagua map. So, if there's an area that you want to work on, like for instance, you were talking about partnership um, or you're talking about your career area. So, the partnership area is related to the color pink, and the part and the uh, career area is related to the color black. So, you could actually f- keep it very simple and just find crystal that you're attracted to, or even just go out and find a stone, an ordinary stone on your walk in nature that has that color association. And then you can place that in that area of your home to, to bring in more support and to, um, bring in the intention, whatever intention you have in relationship to that Bagua area. So it's a really uh, powerful way to activate using the power of crystals.
1: Yes. And a key word you mentioned is intention because it all works. Yes, they have their own frequencies and their energies, but it's your intention that activates those frequencies and helps them uh, create some change into your house and into your life. Mm -hmm. And My final question has to do with decluttering and essentially getting rid of stuff because we talked about how to organize a house, how to play certain things, how to be mindful about it. But how do we declutter in a mindful way? Personally, I love decluttering. I am Marie kondo my entire house and I live the Marie Kondo way to the detail. to every single detail, all my clothes are folded in her way. Everything is very organized. And I love it. And I've witnessed the power of uh, of decluttering, but I know this approach may be a bit too radical for, for some people and they would appreciate a more mindful approach. How do we declutter in a way that doesn't emotionally um, like it's not emotionally torturous.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because because de- clutter is really a, another modern day problem. Just like Um, just like with food, right? Like we have all these processed foods that our bodies can't um, digest. We haven't evolved. It's not that the foods are necessarily bad. It's just our bodies have not evolved to make use of them properly. Right. I mean, that's one aspect. And um, similarly in our consumer-based society we have so much stuff and and luckily there's a backlash against this now and and the young younger people are really questioning um what they're purchasing so i think the first thing to look at when you feel like you have clutter is to have forgiveness for yourself because there is so much shame involved with that Mm. like and judgment and then that usually, to me, paralyzes the person to begin with. So nice. they get in this hopeless, yeah, they get in this hopeless mode of like, I have so much clutter, I don't know what to do, and then they give up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, and so first is acceptance and maybe just being okay with it, first of all. Um, and another thing that goes along with that shame is having this judgment of yourself and one of my students who's a professional organizer actually asked told me um like cuz someone had asked this us this question like uh how do i i keep i i'm not able to put things back in the right place like i can't stay organized so my student was saying well actually um if you're not putting it back in that place that means that that is not the right place for it so you know it's like yeah stepping back and saying, well, it's not that I have to fit into this mold of um, the perfect George Lizzo's house. It's completely Marie Kondo. I mean, that works for you, but that doesn't mean it it's the right thing for somebody else. So first having forgiveness, acknowledging it. And then I like to take a really gentle approach, nine things a day for like, try nine things a day for nine days. So, um, nine is a very auspicious number in feng shui. So just committing to nine, like letting go of nine things a day for nine days and seeing how that feels. And it could be really small. You can, you could, the nine can be anything you wish it to be. It could be nine bags of things. It could be nine, maybe like you have a pair of shoes and you count one as one and the other pair is another. You can, you know, you can create your own definition of what nine things are but taking it step by step and having like a manageable doable um amount of uh uh, like a structure around it
1: yeah and i love it i love the challenge component of this like it's nine items nine days it eases you into decluttering so you don't shock your organism and then eventually from my experience when you start doing something gradually like that you get hooked and it feels comfortable, your ego eases a little bit, and it mm-hmm. feels comfortable with letting go of things. And then you potentially and eventually increase and and, and take a more, um, a more, more active approach to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Angie, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Why don't you let everyone where they can uh, get in touch with you and work with you and also where they can get your new book, Mindful Homes from?
0: Sure. So um, you can follow me at on Instagram at Angie Cho. And you can visit my website at mindfuldesignschool.com. And my new book, I have just one copy so far. It comes out April 11th. I don't know when this is going to be aired, but um, you can get my book, Mindful Homes, wherever books are sold. So bookstore.org, Amazon, most most everywhere where books are sold, it'll be available. Yeah.
1: And it's so beautiful. It has so so many beautiful pictures in there as well, which makes it so appealing. It's like a beautiful coffee book, but also very practical. Uh, So thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Before you go, make sure to grab your free workbook to find your life purpose at georgelizas.com forward slash life purpose.